We were born out of the frustration that all of the applications that we used every day and all of the data that was at our fingertips was inaccessible unless we had a computer science degree. We know there's a huge technology moat to be able to build and, and kind of get into this space. And we've taken an approach whereby we focus on solutions that get our customers up quickly. We'll be on a forever product development journey. I think the moment that you stop innovating is the moment that the music stops and the market catches up with you. From GGV, this is Founder Real Talk where we get real about the challenges that founders and startup executives face and how they've grown from tough experiences. I'm your host, Glenn Solomon. Without further ado, here's today's episode. On today's episode of Founder Real Talk, I'm very excited to welcome Rich Waldron to the show. Rich is the co-founder and CEO of Trey.io. Trey is a low-code, cloud-first approach to automation. Trey helps business users quickly integrate the myriad cloud solutions that every company runs today to easily build and streamline powerful workflows. So for the Founder Real Talk aficionados out there, they'll recognize that Rich is a rare returning guest to the pod. We did an episode together in 2019, and you can find it if you go into the, deep into the archives. Today, Trey's announcing a $40 million Series C extension which GGV is excited to be participating in. We also participated in Trey's Series B and way back in 2018, led Rich's Series A at Trey. So we've had quite a bit of history together with Rich and working with the Trey team. Today, I'm sitting down to talk about the growth Trey has seen since the last time we spoke with Rich, as well as the future of automation and Trey's outlook. Rich, it's really exciting to have you back. Welcome to Founder Real Talk. Thank you, Glenn. It's an honor. Thinking back to 2019, we've had at least two lifetimes, as far as I'm concerned, since that event. So looking forward to, to coming back again in, in a couple more lifetimes to come. That sounds like a plan. Well, I had uh, a lot more hair back then, and I have even less today. And I'm sure if you come back in a few years, it's all going to be gone. <laughs> so I guess... It's great to have returning guests. I'm excited about that, but it's been a while. So looking back, talk about like contrast Trey in 2019 and how the company's evolved since then. Catch us up. Well, I'm delighted to say that we're working on the same problem at least. And thinking back to that episode and thinking back to having just done our Series A with GGV in, in 2018, we had a perspective that... The world was continuing to push toward the cloud. I don't think we were rocket scientists for having that view. But the part that was interesting to us is that the challenges that would be felt by businesses would be within line of business teams. All these folks buying more and more software, handling more and more data at real time, sort of independent of IT. Our original vision and our view was that building a platform that would enable these people would be not only extremely useful, but critical for businesses to scale, given the way that we saw the world back then. And, you know, as we think through what's happened since that time, since we sat down in, in 2019 in Stillman Street in San Francisco, the world did completely flip on its head. And the perspective that we held really got accelerated very fast because 
every company that was thinking about how they better integrate their stack or how they make better use of their data suddenly had a, a, a cataclysmic event whereby they had to solve this problem almost instantaneously. The time that we had to think about making the slow move to integrating more cloud solutions or adopting more of the cloud, you know, suddenly when your entire workforce was forced to work from home and everybody had to have instant real-time access to the data that they needed to do their job every day, these challenges really did come to the top of the tree very quickly. And so for Trey as a company, we had to grow up very fast. Our technology needed to scale extremely quickly. And, you know, we saw just this explosion of users trying to tackle all of these problems that they hadn't got to before, as well as vendors trying to figure out how they navigate this market too, because the demands on them and what they support natively out the box changed very quickly as well. So yeah, it seems a very long time ago and, and I'm you know really, really pleased with how the company's evolved and how we've weathered quite a few of these storms as a, as a group here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we didn't predict a global pandemic back in the 2019 episode, but you guys were, were super well positioned for it. Low code and no code was, you couldn't even spell it back then, but now it seems like every company, almost every software vendor we talk to claims to be low code, no code. And automation is a word you hear more and more nowadays. Tell us a little bit more about what sets Trey apart, you know, maybe from a a product and solution standpoint. What's unique about Trey and how are you guys differentiating in the market? Yeah, you're right. Low code and no code has become just a, a almost default term for everything these days. And in the same vein, I think automation has really come to the fore as well. From Trey's perspective, we were born out of the frustration that all of the applications that we used every day and all of the data that was at our fingertips was inaccessible unless we had a computer science degree. And the tools that were available at the time to to solve yesterday's problems, which typically existed on-premise, typically existed in a different type of data era and data center era where the real-time nature wasn't as big a challenge, was everything that ultimately we ended up building for because we saw that so many of these services were going to be delivered by the cloud and so many of these solutions were going to be would require a real-time nature to them. And so as we built our product, the first piece was having an amazing experience. It should be accessible to a much broader segment of the of the market. It should be so that anyone in any department can have access to Tray and either benefit from the workflows that are created or actually create them themselves. This flies in the face of the legacy of iPaaS technology, where you would use very cumbersome technology. It would require a, an engineering team to build it, deploy it, manage it, maintain it on an ongoing basis. And then you'd have the added insult of needing a third party to come along and maintain this thing for you on an ongoing basis. And so for us, having that initial experience was really critical. The second piece was, though, legacy vendors weren't built for the kind of loads that we see today. At any given time, somebody can turn on a solution which has access to a much broader audience. And so we built a kind of scalability, a resilience, and most importantly, a a secure layer within our platform that would mean it was suited for cloud-first vendors so that as they were starting to turn on these solutions, as they were starting to build them out and use the tools that they purchased within their organization, Trey would just handle it magically out of the box. And I think that's the thing that really makes us stand out. You know, our our customers and prospects are experiencing the power of automation during the sales process. 
It doesn't take six months to implement this stuff and get value from it, you know, two years later. We expect you to be getting ROI from the day that you sign your contract because you're already up to speed. You already know what the technology does. You're already in the product and, and developing. And for us, that was a, you know, a really critical perspective that we had to, to bring the product to life. That's awesome. Delivering value from day one and riding the waves of cloud adoption and digital transformation seems to be like you've put Trey right in the middle of, of the perfect storm. How do you assess the market opportunity? It sounds like it should be pretty big, but how do you guys think about when you think about market and how to go after the market? How are you thinking about that opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it's an enormous market. There's no bones about that. Gartner predicts that this is a trillion dollar market by 2025. And, and every analyst under the sun is holding their own perspective as to what automation or hyper automation is, is bringing to the world. I think the, the view that we have is in any big market for you to be a major player and ultimately get to the position that you want to be right at the top of the tree, which Trey is on track to do. You need to be able to find a series of repeatable ways that allow you to get into the right veins within a business to grow and repeat and scale as an organization. And so for us, we see the, the big prize. We see that there is a huge opportunity here that many vendors are not positioned to be able to take advantage of. We know there's a huge uh, sort of technology moat to be able to build and, and kind of get into this space. And we've taken an approach whereby we focus on solutions that get uh, our customers set up quickly. We're seeing particularly the kind of mid-market and enterprise customers adopting these at scale. They liaise really closely with other departments within their businesses. And that becomes the way in which we get the kind of second or third order effects. The other route for us is we actually work very closely with other vendors themselves because they're also under a great deal of strain. Their customer base is making a lot of noise about the integrations that they expect them to support out the box. And it becomes a pretty critical part of their ability to grow their own customer base, but also retain customers who start looking at other vendors when those integrations don't exist out the box. And so given that we've built so much of this technology under our platform, we allow vendors that we work with to harness that via our API and they can build and stand up their own native integrations. And so by attacking kind of both ends of this market from the perspective of how do I build solutions within teams? How do I uh, bring to life the solutions that are going to make my life and my job easier and do it at my own hand without needing too much support from external services, as well as enabling the vendors to build a better native integration experience themselves, we feel that we've got two hands firmly crossed around what is a really big opportunity here. Got it. So on the one hand, you could be selling to a marketing ops person who's trying to integrate their Asana with their HubSpot and or their Salesforce, but you could also be selling directly to Asana to do the integration with the HubSpot or the Salesforce so it comes out of the box. Exactly that. Yeah. The, and, and if you sort of, sort of step away for a second and analyze both of those automations, the kind of one to many approach gets your customers thinking about integrating your solution more broadly across the services that they use. And so if you're sort of Asana in that example, that means that your technology is being utilized in more places. You're capturing more of an audience that helps you on retention, on getting new data into your service and all the benefits that come with that. And on the flip side, as the customer who has done that integration, you're also then thinking, well, we actually have a ton more value in two, three, four other services. Some of them may not be publicly available 
if we could build an integration between those as well, that's inherently tied to us. That's tied to our internal process. That's going to streamline an operation that we already have um, built out. And, you know, when you when you get into that realm and you start adding incremental value like that, overall, our vision is to is to enable um, uh, anyone in, in any organization to be able to solve problems without the constraints of technology. And if you're using our solution to go and do that, you're not stuck behind, oh, well, I can't use this solution to do it. It doesn't talk to this one or I don't have the skills to go and do those things. Suddenly that opens up an entirely new world for you to, to go about your everyday. Really cool. And are you most frequently landing in sales or marketing or finance or, you know, product teams or biz ops? Like where's, where's your center of gravity? Yeah. I mean, we do land a little bit all over the map because the pain that organizations felt during the pandemic really exposed where there was a lack of connectivity or a lack of integration between different solutions within different departments. And so we land in sales and success, in marketing and finance. We specifically put solutions out toward RevOps type users, toward finance and HRIS users. We see a lot of repeatability in in quote to cash workflows, in lead lifecycle management, in the operations that make a company tick. And we also directly sell into IT because you've got to feel for IT in this market. They've just had, you know, their world blown up by a pandemic whereby suddenly that help desk that they used to maintain and manage on a fairly rigorous basis suddenly went global without any warning. And they had a, a whole new realm of challenges to go and solve for. Secondarily, they have their own needs, you know, but a big portion of their job is integrating and building out solutions. And if they're stuck trying to use a legacy iPaaS solution, that's going to take them forever. So we're a great partner with IT. We recognize and, and understand the challenges that they have in trying to navigate what is a, a very fast moving digital transformation strategy for every business. And so for us, having built out different go-to-markets for these different personas, it allows us to balance the different solutions that Trey offers dependent on, on who those audiences are. Got it. Well, given the macro environment we're, we're living through right now, not many companies have been able to raise fresh equity capital. And you guys, here we are today announcing $40 million in new money from new and existing investors, a testament to the success you guys are having. How was the environment different this time around to raise money? I imagine the answer is quite different, but curious to get your take on that. And why do you think you guys at Trey have been successful or so many other companies are struggling now to raise capital in this environment? Yeah, you're totally right. It's a completely different environment. And in some ways, it actually reminds me of when we originally were looking to raise capital in 2012, 2013 as a tiny team based in Europe, trying to make our way in the world with a technology that was going to take a couple of years to come to market. And, you know, we, we faced a, a very similar set of questions. And that in itself felt like a very difficult market. Ultimately, on, on both fronts, this is a time where fundamentals have come right back front and center. And I think for you know, most businesses, we've been in an, a, an amazing growth period where we've seen demand off the scale. We've seen the cost of capital being extremely low. That's also played itself into software budgets and company budgets and, and kind of this growth at all cost mentality. And, you know, all of a sudden we're back to the things that the good old fashioned things that drive a business and that you need to have in order to become a, a world class scaled operation. 
And so from the experience that I had, very much that that world changed. I think the the things that were you know beneficial to Trey or, or certainly helped us in this environment, the market that we're in is unquestionably large. Secondarily, the value of the technology, having customers that will shout from the rooftops for you and demonstrate that even in a market that is, you know, there are a lot of people facing a lot of very difficult challenges right now with the inflation rate where it's at and with the constraint that's being faced on budgets. If your technology is helping to consolidate, helping customers grow during a time when purse strings have been tightened, then that puts you in a good spot too. And lastly, not getting ahead of yourself and getting two of your skis in making some of those investments before they paid off. Uh, and I think on all three fronts, that put Trey in a really strong position. I think the last thing is, you know, this is also a time where who you raise money from in the past makes a pretty big difference. The venture market changed pretty significantly uh, over the last two years. We saw a whole bunch of new entrants. And, you know, it kind of, kind of goes back to the old things that, that we learned back in the 2012-2019 era. This is a long-standing relationship. And, you know, we're sat here today talking about GGV's third or fourth participation in, in Trey's journey and, and being on that path together. And making those decisions early, thinking about who you're going to go into business with shows up at times like this, because for us going out and raising capital, we were fortunate enough to get a, a new great outside investor, but all of our internals participated. And when that happens, it sends the right signal to the market and it puts you in a great stead as a business overall. I didn't pay him to say that, folks. I, 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 <laughs> that was not rehearsed. Thank you, Rich. So what are your plans now with, the, with this fresh 40 million? What comes next? Yeah, I mean, for us, we'll be on a forever product development journey. I think the moment that you stop innovating is the moment that the music stops and the market catches up with you. And for us, continuing to invest heavily in R&D, continuing to ensure that we've got the right suite of low-code tools to support all of the challenges that our customers face today is critical to our path forward, especially the, the larger enterprises. You know, they, they're also facing significant challenges in how they scale their own cloud environments. Um, some of your other investments uh, very famously um, play a pretty important role of that as well. And I think, you know, us, us looking at how we can continue to offer more and more strings to our bow to help those organizations make that move um, scale quickly and, and not get caught in that sort of innovation death spiral will be significant. And secondarily, really being focused on the go-to-market execution. The investments that we'll make there will be better packaging our solutions, better tightening that prospect experience end-to-end -end because every metric that you have when it comes to the light of day in your S1 is going to be the thing that ultimately drives shareholder value. And, and you know, that's something that's top of mind for us as, as we continue on this path. Great. Well, you've kind of touched on my last question a little bit, but let's say you're the first guest to repeat for a third time on Founder Real Talk three years from now. We'll be talking a lot between now and then, but maybe the, your next time on Founder Real Talk will be three years from now. What is the rich of three years from now going to be saying about Trey and, and where you've come and where you're going? Yeah, I think when we spoke back in, in 2019, we had a vision for the way that we hoped the world would go and where we saw opportunity. And we were beginning to see our product in the hands of customers who were talking about getting on an automation journey or starting to stand up a, a few workflows be between departments. 
we're sat here today and you know that's front and center in every conversation we're now regularly speaking with executives automation and integration is a board slide in every board meeting that is happening across the technology sector right now and i think as as i look ahead and i and the, the areas that i'm most excited about it's us continuing to drive a wrecking ball through the ipass market we desperately want to save the market from legacy ipass we want to get them off these solutions that take them forever to get anything stood up where they don't get value quickly all the benefits that you get buying any cloud solution you know the instant access the scalability uh, the value that it provides um, out of the box the things that tray can enable by getting and putting the power of our product in our customers hands are significant and so as i kind of think ahead seeing and hearing our customers talking about us in the market seeing us beginning to be mentioned in other companies s1s as a, an important player as an important integrator as a an ecosystem generator those are the things that get me the most excited because we hear stories in this company every day of people that achieved the things that they didn't think they could because they didn't think they had the skill sets they didn't think they had the access i'm thrilled to be bringing that to life for our customers we wouldn't be here without them and so so looking further down that tree i can't wait to see where this company gets to well you and me both i cannot wait nor can any of my uh, my partners and colleagues here at ggv wait to see see where trey goes all the, this talk of s1s leads me to think i know where you're going and it's going to be a really exciting ride rich thanks so much for joining us today i know that everybody here at ggv is extremely proud of all that you're doing the fact that you've been able to raise this great round in this environment just speaks volumes about both the execution to date and the big opportunity in front of you and your team at Trey. So congrats. Thanks again. And looking forward to our next our next chat in three years. Thank you, Glenn. So glad to continue this journey with you guys. Really excited to sit back down here in, in three years time. Sounds like we should get that slot booked in. So excited to catch up soon. And, and thanks for having me on today. Thanks, Rich. You've been listening to Founder Real Talk. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app to help others find this podcast. If you have any questions you'd like us to ask our guests or founders you'd like to hear on this podcast, feel free to email us at founderrealtalk at ggvc.com. Our theme song is by Grapes. GGV Capital is a global venture capital firm that invests in local founders. As a multi-stage, sector-focused firm, GGV focuses on seed to growth across consumer, social and internet, enterprise cloud, and frontier tech. The firm was founded in 2000 and manages $6.2 billion in capital across 13 funds. Past and present portfolio companies include the likes of Affirm, Airbnb, Alibaba, Didi, Grab, Hellobike, HashiCorp, House, Keep, Namely, New, Opendoor, Peloton, Poshmark, Slack, Square, Wish, and many more. The firm has offices in Beijing, San Francisco, Shanghai, and Silicon Valley. Learn more at ggvc.com or follow us on Twitter at, at ggvcapital or ggvcapital on WeChat.